What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. After a week off for China's Golden Week national holiday, we are back and we have our usual collection of China's most important business stories, ranging from the good to the bad, with everything in between. Here's what's been happening in China this week. We start with some good news. Free money. China's southern megacity of Shenzhen will use the central bank's new digital yuan to provide 10 million yuan, approximately $1.5 million, of coupons to residents as part of an ongoing program to test the country's virtual currency in a sign that the virtual yuan is approaching widespread rollout. The local government of Shenzhen's Luohu district will provide residents with 50,000 digital coupons worth 200 yuan each. The coupons, which are also aimed at boosting consumption, represent the latest move to expand trials of the digital currency, which has been under development by China's central bank since 2014. There is also good news if you are a supporter of the U.S. Democratic Party and happen to hold yuan. According to Bloomberg, there seems to be a positive correlation between the Chinese onshore yuan and the possibility of Joe Biden winning the U.S. presidential election. Last week saw the Chinese onshore yuan notch up its biggest rally in more than 13 years as the Chinese central bank allowed optimism over a blue wave in the U.S. election to push the currency higher. Speaking to Bloomberg, Goldman Sachs cross-asset strategist Caesar P. Masri said, quote, Chinese assets are positively correlated with rising polls favoring a Democratic presidential victory. Analysts are predicting more gains ahead. There's also good news for China's millions of basketball fans. China Central Television will revive its coverage of the National Basketball Association on Saturday, just in time for Game 5 of the NBA Finals between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Miami Heat, according to a report in the Global Times. The network, which holds exclusive rights for the NBA in China, stopped showing the league's games after Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey tweeted support for protesters in Hong Kong in October of 2019. But really, do the Heat stand a chance at this point? Please do not play this back if I happen to be wrong. 
Moving on, in even more good news, it looks like China is firmly putting the COVID-19 pandemic behind it. More than half a billion Chinese took to the road during this week's week-long National Day holiday as travel began to approach pre-pandemic levels over the first major holiday since COVID-19 had been largely contained in the country. The eight-day holiday saw some 637 million trips nationwide, 79% as many as last year, which the state-affiliated China Tourism Academy hailed as a signal of confidence that the people are returning to their pre-coronavirus lifestyles. Sales at the duty-free stores in Hainan Island in southern China exceeded $155 million over the National Day holiday week, an increase of nearly 150% from the same period in 2019. After all the good news stories, here comes the bad news. TikTok's international woes continue as Pakistan banned the Chinese social media app for circulation of content that it deemed, quote, immoral and indecent, making it the latest country to restrict the wildly popular video sharing app. The decision followed a number of complaints from different segments of society, the Pakistan Telecommunication Authority said Friday in a statement. In the second half of 2020, TikTok took down more than 6.45 million videos in Pakistan, 73% more than in the same period in 2019, according to a transparency report published by the company. The company said the removed videos include illegal activities, adult nudity and sexual activities, violent content, suicide and self-harm, and hate speech. In more international-related bad news, Semiconductor Manufacturing International Corp., better known as SMIC, China's largest computer chip maker, has been caught up in the escalating China-U.S. tech war as it was hit by U.S. trade restrictions limiting access to American suppliers. Some SMIC suppliers received letters from the U.S. Bureau of Industry and Security, BIS, telling them that exports to the Chinese company are subject to additional export restrictions, SMIC said last week. The Shanghai-based company is evaluating the impact of the curbs and warned of adverse effects on its production amid supply uncertainties. And finally, it has been a bad week for dozens of Chinese workers who are being investigated for stealing oil in northwest China's Shanxi province. Some 30 people, including over 20 employees at the oil terminal operated by state-owned giant PetroChina Company Limited in the Changqing oil field, are being probed over the alleged theft. It remains unclear how much oil may have been stolen by the group, but this is not the first time PetroChina employees have come under investigation for theft. Last year, a court in the neighboring Inner Mongolia Autonomous Region sentenced seven people to jail for making tens of millions of yuan by stealing petroleum products from the Changqing oil field from 2012 to 2016. Let's turn now to Caixin Global Managing Editor Doug Young for his take on what's big in the news this week. Doug, welcome back, and uh, what you got for us? Hey, Kaiser. Um, well, it's uh, slightly self-promotional here, but I, I wanted to talk about a, a series that I, we're actually running this week, uh, and it's looking at Alibaba and a couple of big challenges it's facing, one from uh, a company that I think some of our listeners may know called Meituan, and then the other from a, another company, which a lot of our listeners may have heard of, also called Pindodo. Uh, and we're really taking a, a hard look, sort of, you know, is, is Alibaba because they've become such a dominant force 
in China's e-commerce landscape and, and really the internet landscape in general. Um, are these two companies, you know, set to really pose uh, any sort of existential threat? Probably not existential, but, you know, any sort of real threat to Alibaba's dominance, especially in e-commerce. So I wanted to start off with uh, Meituan, which is sort of the smaller of the two stories, but it's it's a story where, you know, there's really a lot happening. Uh, Meituan it sort of started out as China's Groupon, uh, which is the daily deal, you know, group buying thing. Um, and Alibaba has gotten into what we call uh, just takeout dining, uh, online takeout dining, where you can just go online and pick any one of a zillion restaurants and and order food from them and have it delivered. It's it's all over the place in China. Alibaba's got a company called Ulama, which they acquired uh, a year ago. Meituan has its own service, and the two of them have been duking it out. But what's been interesting to note really is that Meituan is is sort of winning this battle. And more broadly, this battle is getting extended into the, the broader category of sort of what we're calling local lifestyle plays, which is basically taking local businesses, helping them use your platform to reach local consumers. So in this case, it's restaurants, you know, local restaurants selling food to local consumers via takeout. It can also be like movie tickets, uh, restaurants and bars offering promotions and so forth. Um, and Meituan is really sort of eating Alibaba's lunch in this category. And, and Alibaba's paid a lot of money for Ulama. Uh, they've been having just some trouble getting a foothold in this in this sector. So it's it's an interesting look. Alibaba finally may be turning the corner and that's what the story looks at. Uh, they just set up a group just to do this. Uh, so it includes Ulama and a few other related assets like their local grocery store operations. Um, and then at the same time, Meituan is also taking a, a dipping its toe into e-commerce, which is a big challenge to Alibaba. Uh, they're doing that with uh, online grocery shopping. So there's a lot of things at play here, but uh, it doesn't look that good for Alibaba in the space right now. And, you know, not to, uh, again, promote the piece too much, but it, it, this this piece sort of looks at what's in the future for Alibaba. And, you know, will this basically a $10 billion acquisition of Ulama end up being something it has to write off? Okay, so you have Meituan threatening to eat Alibaba's lunch, as it were, uh, on the one hand. Uh, you speak of a second front, though, from Pinduoduo. What do we need to know about that? Right. So the other uh, big piece on this equation is, is Pinduoduo, which uh, people who are here in China know is this sensation that's just come from out of nowhere. And they've really made it into the business by becoming sort of the daily bargain. Yeah, I mean, just super cheap stuff, uh, no brand stuff and everything like that. And this one is actually quite a bit more significant from Ali, uh, for Alibaba because it really comes in its core e-commerce space. Uh, the Meituan deal is, you know, that's it's an area Alibaba has been trying to get into. Uh, Pindodo is really posing a, a major challenge right in the area where Alibaba is, you know, is king as its core business. Um, but what's been interesting to see is, is Pindodo really has made some big inroads and what they've been doing is essentially hooking up factories directly with consumers doing these massive, uh, group buying deals, essentially. Yeah. So, so, you know, you can get 
uh, a T-shirt for ten kwai. You know, and we actually in in our story we quote a factory manager saying they're squeezing us so bad. You know, I'm I'm having to sell T-shirts now for nine kwai, which is like less than a dollar fifty. Uh, so you really get a sense of how Pindodo has has made this inroad. And Alibaba was sort of having its lunch eaten there too. But uh, just about a, just this past year, actually, a few months ago, Alibaba really decided they were going to fight back. Uh, and they hooked up basically their B2B unit, which sells for, it, it used to sell, you know, it was a wholesaling type outfit. And they started hooking up factories in this B2B unit with directly with consumers, i.e., uh, basically taking a page from Pindodo and, and, it's still early days, but it's it's looking like Alibaba, you know, I mean, they've certainly got a lot of resources behind them. It's looking like, you know, they may come back to Pindodo and, or, or take some share back from Pindodo. And if you look at Pindodo's stock, it's actually down like around 20% since July. Uh, so people people are watching this one and I'd say Alibaba, you know, they're, they're taking both of these things seriously, but this one especially. So any predictions on how all this plays out for Alibaba? Yeah, good question there. Um, I love to look into my crystal ball and, and figure things out, even though I'm wrong a lot of the time. But uh, I would say current trends look pretty eh, look pretty steady. I, it just seems like Alibaba, I see this O-to-O battle with Meituan ending badly for Alibaba. They just seem to have their act all messed up and it's not their core business. And and I ultimately see this one becoming a write-off for Alibaba, big write-off, but nothing nothing they can't handle. Um, As to the Pindodo, I would say, honestly speaking, you know, Pindodo was a hot shot. There was another company uh, earlier called VIP Shop that sort of made another play at the low end of the market and Alibaba just ended ended up crushing them out of existence. Uh, so I don't see why they wouldn't do the same for Pindodo. Uh, the one wild card in here is, is that supposedly China's, e- uh, sorry, China's anti-monopoly regulator might be looking into Alibaba and e-commerce and, and saying they're too big, too powerful. Something like that happens. That could certainly play to Pindodo's advantage. Well, thanks a ton, Doug. Uh, and we look forward to having you back on the show soon. Okay, thanks, Kaiser. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Lee Sin and Marcus Ryder of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Be sure to check out the other shows in the Seneca Network on SubChina. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for our daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.